seek above all for a game worth playing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Make Yoga Magic Again, the House of Majors podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arulian Cumming. Now, if you've been following my podcast so far, you may have noticed that I've taken a bit of a hiatus recently. To tell you the truth, I've actually recorded probably another 10 to 15 episodes already, uh, which are waiting to be released and just obviously finished off and, uh, you know, cleaned up and edited a little bit uh, before I do release them. But I haven't got around to doing that, partly because I've been trying to simplify and focus on only a couple of things at once. Anyone who knows me knows that I like to do a lot of different things at once. But we're coming very close to finally releasing the official House of Majors yoga teacher training program, which finally, after a couple of years of working on it, is launching on July 23rd. So that's in 2022, if you are listening to this in the future. But yeah, so I've been really just dedicating my time to finishing off the manuals, finishing off all the online content, the recorded videos, classes, and just really getting myself in the headspace. Um, Also delving deeper into classical tantra and um, all the practices that I do, getting back into those, doing daily devotional practices, all the things. But one of the big things I've been doing is writing a book that I've been really thinking about writing for a long time, but really just started to piece together over the last year. Originally, it started as I wanted to give the yoga teacher trainees a full curriculum and devotional practice in that they learn how to develop themselves in a ritual format that embraces the true essence of magic, but also really gives them a grounding in, you know, traditional yoga practice, especially tantric yoga practices, while also giving them, uh, yeah, just like a really a simplified, not simplified, because I don't like the word simplify. I feel like there's a lot of simplified practices are watered down and lose the essence, but just a framework that can be applied to almost any kind of mythic framework or religious traditions, spiritual traditions, etc. So, I feel like I've done a pretty good job so far with it. Obviously, I'm biased because I wrote it, but it is very close to being finished in its first draft form, which will be given to the yoga teacher trainees, and then it will be released as a book later this year, which uh, is tentatively titled, which may change, uh, Ritual Embodiment, Reforging the Link Between Yoga, Tantra, and Magic. So I won't go too much into that, but the reason why I wanted to mention all this is because obviously while I've been writing this, I've been addressing some topics that may be a little bit controversial, which I think are important to voice because a lot of people just don't know about them or overlook them. 
and it creates a lot of misunderstandings about the you know the path of magic or even the word or what it is occultism uh and what yoga and tantra is so this is going to be the first episode in a little mini series of things where i kind of tackle and and just talk about some of these important concepts that are often very misunderstood in our modern world and modern spiritual circles and so i'll try to keep these short and concise but you know, we all know if you listen to me that I, once I get on a topic, I can talk and go on many tangents, but some of these are going to be weaved into, into each other. So I'll try to focus on one at a time, but they are all kind of connected. So the, this first one, I wanted to focus on what actually are the chakras. I think this is a really, really important topic to talk about for so many different reasons. But one of the main reasons is the dogma around the chakra system, even that we call it the chakra system. Because when I say the chakra system, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the seven chakra rainbow colored system. But the funny thing is, not only is that one of many, many, many different chakra systems, Um, around these days. In the original tantric scriptures, you found chakra systems anywhere from three chakras to some had over a hundred chakras, and they differed depending on what lineage they were from, uh, what they were trying to achieve, what they believed, uh, all different reasons for having different chakra systems, which I'll delve into soon. But also, in none of those tantric scriptures, not one, do we find a rainbow-colored seven chakra system. None. So, straight away, you probably see the issue here. Not only are we calling something the chakra system, uh, supposing that it's the only chakra system, which it's not, but (laughs) it's also a completely non-traditional modern practice Uh, that isn't found in any of the traditional yogic tantric scriptures, yeah. So, obviously we're going to delve into this more, but before I do, I also want to say that if you are, you know, familiar with the, the seven chakra rainbow system and you do like it, you do practice it, I am not invalidating it as a, as a, as a valid and even powerful practice and system. So, just wanted to put that out there that I've still I know I still use and still have used and even am teaching the uh, in the yoga teacher training about this modern seven chakra system because it's very useful. But what I want to get across is that the dogma around it being the chakra system and also about it being this ancient system is completely false. I mean, if in some future uh, way we dig up a tantric scripture that hadn't been found before, um, that has a seven chakra rainbow system in it, then I will happily, as well as, you know, obviously Crystal Wallace and any any other scholars that write about this, I'm sure they'll be happy to say, okay, it turns out there is. But <laughs> to this very day, right now when I'm recording this podcast, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a completely modern practice. And that's what I want to expand on here. So the next obvious question is, where then did the rainbow seven chakra system come from? And how did it become the, the main system that we all know as the chakras? Uh, 
Well, I'm glad you asked. So towards the end of the 1800s, there was a mystery school, essentially a society, which taught a lot of these different magical occult mysteries, and they were largely focused on the Eastern traditions. So this was the Theosophical Society. And the main person, the main author of the Theosophical Society is Helena Blavatsky, also known as Madame Blavatsky. So the Theosophical Society originally was a bit of a newsletter type of situation where people would sign up and become members and they'd send out little articles or little mini magazines and they kind of just talk about a lot of these uh, occult uh, ideas and practices and towards the end of the 1800s, they started to include these ideas of the chakras. And that is what kind of started a lot of authors and a lot of, uh, you know, practitioners of these occult arts. You know, so I also want to explain that the idea of magic comes from a lot of these same roots in that you know, the Theosophical Society is what influenced uh, Aleister Crowley and essentially the um, the Golden Dawn and a lot of these schools which emerge out of these practices. So I think it's really funny and ironic almost that, you know, the name of this podcast, and I meant it to be this way, is is Make Yoga Magic Again, where it's, it's very obvious, in case I haven't mentioned, that I know that these are different uh, traditions, right? in case you thought I, th <laughs> I didn't think that, because I'm sure there's people out there thinking that, in that it could almost and more suitably be called Make Magic Yoga again. And I'm probably going to get the same thing in, mag in Practitioners of Magic, being like, magic isn't yoga. I know it's not. But the modern magical traditions are so influenced by yogic practices and the funny thing is that <laughs> I know that there's like, I, I, I'm doing air quotes here, you know, traditional modern yogis where they've kind of turned up their nose or looked at me a bit strange where I've talked about magic in the same breath as talking about yoga, thinking that they have nothing to do with the, each other. And then going to their classes and teaching the Rainbow Seven Chakra system and also calling it an ancient practice, having no idea they're essentially teaching a modern occult system of magic that is more steeped in, uh, yeah, in Western magical occultism and practices and Western, uh, you know, kind of developmental psychology, kind of based on uh, Jungian ideas, uh, Carl Jung, um, and having no idea about it. And, you know, I'm not trying to call out those people. I just think it's funny and ironic that a lot of these, you know, even, you know, some yoga teachers that I know, um, you know, think I'm the one who is doing a disservice to the yogic tradition by talking about magic in the same line. Whereas, yeah, they just, they don't know. And that's the thing. It's just, I don't know why it's so little talked about. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of people just end up regurgitating the same 
uh, same thing, which to be honest is like the the real pandemic in our society in that a lot of people don't often do research behind things. They will watch something online of a, you know, a YouTuber or read an article or something like that. And then they will just say, oh, that's the truth. And they would just say that to someone else and it gets passed on, passed on. So to, to circle back, that is essentially kind of what has been passed on. So when I speak about all this, I may get uh, particular dates or even names of sources a little bit wrong. But that's also, again, why I've linked the article by Christopher Wallace, because if you're wanting to really unpack and pick at this topic, and I really invite you to because it's a really rich one, and if you are in the yoga world, I think it's a really important one to dive into just just to see this for your own and read about this and, and dive into it more. Um, but also through that article that is written by a scholar in much more structured manner, you can also uh, access links to the sources that he's used. And he's also a Sanskritist, so you know he can he's translated some of these and, and done his own research and, and all of that sort of stuff. So don't expect you to believe any, you know everything that I'm saying. I hope you do to some extent or even you know allow it to to sink in a little bit. but yeah, I always recommend do your own research. So from the end of the 1800s when the Theosophical Society was starting to publish articles and introduce this concept to the Western world, others around the early 1900s were starting to write full books on these. And there's a couple of main books that influence uh, the whole kind of new age movement. And one of those is a book called The Serpent Power by John Woodruff. Now, this was apparently a flawed 1918 translation of a text on the chakras written in Sanskrit in 1577. And so, most of the tantric scriptures come around come from around the 8th century. So they're obviously scattered over time. Uh, but I think the earliest ones were around 600 CE, but most of them were around the 8th century and um, onwards. So as with anything, over time, we've got more and more proficient at more accurately translating these Sanskrit sources and scriptures into English and into the Western world. And even these days, a lot of the books that are considered to be much more of sound comprehension of Sanskrit and the more accurate translations are only still in kind of academic form. So we're still kind of bridging the gap between the scholarly academic world uh, of linguistics and you know accurate translations and then turning that into practical application and practices. So that's the kind of issue that we have in that a lot of these earlier adaptions of the chakra systems not only were based on you know, kind of incomplete, inaccurate translations or limited resources. But also there was a bit of a movement at that time which evolved into the New Age movement that a lot of these occultists or authors who were doing these often took their own uh, realizations or their own ideas to be uh, the more valid version. Because, yeah, some of these, you know, especially Blavatsky, for example... There's some, uh, so she released a book called The Secret Doctrine. 
Now, in this book, she explicitly talked about how the <laughs> the original uh, tantras or tantrika focused too much on the physical world, right? She <laughs> said that they were just uh, focused on too much power in the physical world and that they weren't focused enough on the higher chakras and this idea of spiritual enlightenment, which I mean, I think, and I think most people who actually do these practices and know classical Tantra uh, don't think that way at all. But Blavatsky, when I think it was around 1888 or something like that, uh, that she wrote the secret doctrine, she was basically... Uh, <laughs> paving the way for this modern, uh, trying to think of the term, the modern like adaption of UPG. So if you didn't know what UPG is, UPG is known as unverified personal gnosis. And I feel like Blavatsky is like one of the early, if not the mother of UPG, in that she really made headway in discrediting the original scriptures because it, she was saying that her realizations were more, um, you know, and it's tricky because everyone thinks their own realizations are more valid than uh, things that, I guess, invalidate that or say otherwise. But I think to have a much more grounded approach, especially to something so intangible and subjective like spirituality, we want to be referencing our experiences with the experiences of the people that have practiced these. And this is the, like, you know, as I said, the modern chakra system is still a valid system, but the only, like, danger or the problematic themes around that is that it's only 100, 150 years old, whereas, you know, if the Tantra scriptures were around, you know, from the say, uh, the 7th or 8th century, then we have over a 1,000 years of uh, collection and practice and expansion upon these. So, yeah, just putting it out there to obviously listen to your own intuition because that's part of the spiritual path, but also finding a balance of uh, referencing other sources or other travellers on the path. And this is a big, big topic that I'm... Uh, very passionate about talking about that you'll obviously hear me talking about a lot and especially writing in the book about but I just wanted to mention that here because it is important to find a balance because even in the uh, original scriptures we find so, you know a lot of different chakra systems and practices and belief systems and some of these even though they're from the same lineages essentially they they quite clearly contradict each other there is definitely some overlap in uh, some of the systems but a lot of the time, they have very different ideas about the universe, and some are more dualistic, and some are more non-dualistic. And there still seems to be permission, though, in where they'd all meet up and have these kind of logical discussions, I kind of imagine similar to these kind of, um, you know, classical Greek, uh, Platonic, Socratic kind of uh, philosophical discussions, in that they may not agree with each other with the, like, worldview that they come up with but they can respect mutually respect each other is in just having a different expression of, of the divine right and that's what i think a lot of the tantric sources make make permission of especially the non-dual sources in that nothing is essentially wrong 
but it's important to be able to explain and unpack and break down your theories in a logical way. And I feel like that is very, very lacking in the Western world, that we almost defend our our uh, beliefs by saying that they're inexplainable when I don't think that's the case. And I will delve more into this in the next one. I'm getting off topic. So other than this book that I mentioned by John Woodroffe, there's two main other sources that have influenced the Western world in the modern idea of the rainbow chakra system. And that's uh, one other book by Anadea Judith. Uh, it's a famous book called The Wheels of Life. And also influenced by 20th century books by Indian yoga gurus, which are, again, themselves mostly based on these sources. So the funny thing is as well is that these flawed translations that ended up going into the West and evolved into these modern ideas of the chakras then went back to India and then influenced the modern Indian practitioners, which then perpetuated these other ideas of the chakras. And so it's tricky now because you might even say, okay, well, this this guru, this modern guru is from India and he's teaching this seven chakra, you know, rainbow system. But that's because it, it was fed back to uh, India from the West and it's kind of got all mixed together. And yeah, and it, to the point now that uh, the rainbow seven chakra system is taught in India now um, as a yogic practice. But I think a lot of them don't realize because... It's funny that a lot of cultures don't often research their own culture. Um, you know, I find this when I was getting into runes and Norse mythology, I get excited when I met someone from Scandinavia because I'd be like, oh, they're going to know all about the myths and, you know, be able to talk to me about it. But, you know, they might learn a little bit of it in school, but they often don't research their own culture. And so, yeah, I've heard Christopher Wallace and a few other scholars talk about this idea that, um, yeah, just because someone is from that culture uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they've researched the history of that culture, and um, and that especially goes in the West. That <laughs> a lot of we don't know the roots of a lot of our, our things and our culture. So hopefully this is making sense and you're with me so far. So I just want to summarize a few things. So the modern seven chakra rainbow system, which I'm just going to keep calling it that. Maybe we need to find another way to, to shorten that description. I understand why people call it the chakras. But that is a modern occult magical practice um, that was perpetuated starting the end of the 1800s into the West. And it is not found in any of the tantric sources. So what is found in the Tantric sources? So what I'm going to use from here on to just make it easy, and it's Christopher Wallace talks about this, is, is calling one the chakras and one the chakras. Because in the original Sanskrit, the word chakra is like chocolate, right? Chakra. Where it's, for some reason, uh, you know, and... You know, we make jokes about like a cliched yoga teacher saying just, you know, align your chakras and saying it with the SH, but it's kind of good it's ended up that way because we can then say that if someone's saying the chakras, which is the incorrect way to pronounce it in Sanskrit, is the modern version of the seven chakra rainbow system, yeah? So when I say chakra, it is a seven colored rainbow system, yeah? So hopefully that helps to distinguish between the differences and gives you a little bit more clarity on that. So what do we actually find in the original tantric scriptures in relation to the chakra systems? So as I mentioned, there's lots of different chakra systems, 
for example, there's one uh, which is a 10 chakra system based on classical Indian music. So it has all the scale of the of the classical Indian notes mapped to the pedals of, of the different chakras. Um, and yeah, so it's a 10 chakra system. Uh, there's a six and seven chakra system based around installing different deities uh, from different lineages into them. Um, but again, even though this is a seven chakra system, it's not rainbow colored and it's not used for the same purposes at all as the modern chakra system. The modern chakra system, as I mentioned, is, is very focused on uh, psychological development and there's a lot of other things that are very new, which I'll, I'll mention before I finish. But one that we do find, uh, one five chakra system that is also a concept that's a very integral to the whole tantric tradition and to a lot of lineages that spring from that and that overlap a lot is the five chakra system, which is based on the five elements. So the pure, this whole idea of the purification and the, the kind of integration of the five holy elements of the five divine elements is something that we find in, in that overlaps in quite a lot of these traditions and is what I'm personally focused on in teaching as a magical system, um, you know, my own adaption as a magical system, because it is very linked to like Western occultism, but teaching it in a way that also respects and acknowledges and uh, honors those traditions of the original tantric five element system, which is the five, the five chakras. Because we find in the modern chakra, <laughs> the seven chakra system, that they use these five elements, but obviously they don't fit because there's seven chakras. So they're installing a five element system into a seven chakra system, which isn't supposed to be like that. So there's a few things that have happened. Sometimes they've just associated, uh, you know, the fifth element of space, which is the space or spirit or the void to the top three chakras in the seven chakra system. Or I've seen actually really cool um, innovations where they've broken that up into uh, sound and light and um, source and all these different things. So there's, you know, lots of different expansions. And that's the thing because this is a modern uh, practice and modern adaption. There have been lots of all the authors that have found a lot of use and practicality in this modern seven chakra system and uh, expanded upon it very well. Um, but coming back to this five element practice, the issue that we have in the modern and misunderstanding of it is that people think that these mantras um, that are associated with the elements are associated with the actual chakras. Now, what do I mean by that? In that if you know a lot about the chakras, you'll probably know that uh, the mantra LAM is often associated with the Muladhara chakra, the root chakra, where it is actually connected to the element of earth. And what's happened is they've installed the first five elements in the first five chakras. So we have, you know, the sacral chakra associated with orange and the rainbow system, uh, associated with um, Swadhisthana chakra and given the sound of vam. But it's actually connected to the element of water, which is installed in the second chakra. Hopefully this isn't too confusing. What I'm basically saying is these ideas that are often connected to uh, these chakras are based on the five elements, which are separate entirely. And in different systems, different uh, 
different elements are often installed in different chakras. And you can do this in many of the different practices. So for example, you might have, uh, say you've got the seven chakras of the, the modern chakra system. <laughs> and you want to feel more grounded in your heart space. Maybe, you know, your relationships are a little bit wishy-washy and you're not feeling very grounded in, in your relationships. You may want to install or practice the earth element or the earth mantra of LUM in your heart space because YUM is not the heart chakra mantra. It is the mantra of wind and wind is very like mobile and movement and, you know, not very grounded. So if you're installing yum into your heart space, uh, you know, and the element of wind into your heart space, that's probably what, it get, what you're going to get. You know, you're going to be very open, probably, um, but you may not feel very grounded. And so understanding that these are different things, that the chakras are basically kind of repositories or kind of like uh, spaces where you can install different concepts that are related to different parts of the body. Now, there's this idea or the system of three chakras or the three bindus, which are a very core practice of uh, the tantric lineage that I'm in. And that's non-dual Shaiva Tantra as taught by Chris, mainly my mentor, Christopher Wallace. And this, I think, is a really foundational integral, integral practice because a lot of the argument of what people have for chakras is that they feel tangible experiences in these parts of the bodies that are associated with chakras, right? Or, or the chakras. And so this is valid in that, in two ways. One, the first one is, is prescriptive in that we've installed these concepts in our bodies in order to, to be ready to experience these ideas. And so, you know, it's like the placebo effect in that if you tell someone that you're probably going to experience something in a particular area, then if you've convinced them uh, and they've practiced that, they're probably going to experience that. That is that is prescriptive. It's uh, designed in uh, prepping yourself to experience certain things, which is what magic is all about, and which is what a tantra is all about. Like uh, these chakra systems were designed in preparation for experiencing certain phenomena, so you would experience certain phenomena in certain ways. But but the modern idea. A lot of people literally think that we have these chakras in our body, and to be honest, some of the some of the original tantrika did believe this. But often you hear of these stories in the um, of these tantrika, like one story, for example, I can't remember the the guru's name, but he he dissected a dead body, a cadaver, a corpse, and <laughs> was thinking that he was going to find the chakras and because he didn't find any physical chakras in the body of what he believed that would be there, he threw all his like teachings and scriptures into the river and like basically gave up yoga and gave up tantra and, and said it was just all a pile of crap because he didn't find any physical chakras. And although, you know, Western people, practitioners would probably laugh at that thinking, of course, you know, of course, their tantra, the chakras aren't physical things, but they still believe that they're inherent, inherently there to the point that people on the internet in forums and stuff are saying that they're having their chakras removed or their, sh their chakras, sorry, 
should be saying chakras when I'm speaking of the rainbow system. Um, but yeah, people are literally saying that the, they're having them removed um, and all these kind of things that, and, and they're not part of the original tantric ideas. So trying to pinpoint and simplify the original intention and goal of having these chakras is, I think, twofold and, and of two main parts. Firstly, to show and to play with the energy body as this malleable liquid uh, concept and part of you that can be shaped and reshaped in your chosen form, in that the intention shapes the energy body, which essentially shapes our physical body and our experience of the world. And that if we want to change how we show up in the world and change how we experience things, we want to change our energy body. And we do that most uh, powerfully and most uh, effectively by using a symbolic system that is installed in the body, hence the chakras. And hence, basically any form of magic is exactly what is happening here. But also, we can't ignore even people that are, say, atheists or don't believe in anything other than the physical body will admit to experiencing strong emotions or strong energetic sensations in different parts of the body. For example, you may feel love or grief in the the heart space, right? You may experience, uh, you know, intuition or sexual experiences in the kind of lower part of the body. You know, you we say we trust the gut, right? So trusting that intuitive embodied experience and you know, we think of more intellectual experiences or you think of like seeing visions or something as the third eye, you know, we think of it as like something around the head area. And so they've ended up with these three main uh, fundamental spaces and three main uh, fundamental ideas or bindus. And that is one that is... and. Also, I just want to mention that, like, even though these are Indian practices, they're also considered to be Asian practices because these ideas have spread all over Asia, and a lot of the kind of like even the Taoist uh, practices have kind of interlaced with them. Uh, you know, Qigong is, as I understand it, originally like an expansion of yogic practices. Tai Chi is slightly different because it's more martial arts based. Um, but yeah, so these are kind of intermingled, and in Taoism. The ideas of the the Dantian or the the three main uh, seats of the Qi seats of Qi uh, are basically the same as these three ideas of the Bindos. So one is below the belly button, below the navel, um, kind of in the gut area. One is in the heart space, kind of underneath the sternum, um, just kind of where you have that soft spot in between the ribs, like kind of right in the center, and then one at the back of the soft palate in the head. And so these represent the ideas of awareness in the soft palate, of energy in the heart space, and of the physical or the embodied experience in uh, the point below the belly button. So these represent like kind of, you could, to simplify it, I explained it as like kind of be, do, and have in a way. So your awareness is the thing that changes your perspective, which changes what you believe and who you are, which essentially changes the energy that's moving and what 
what is actually happening, what you're doing, which essentially changes what your life will be like um, in how your body shows up as a physical body um, and what you do in your life and what you end up having in your life as a result of that. And I think that's a really simplified way of explaining uh, how these chakras end up getting placed and how they evolve. And this is probably why it appeals to us because we all know that when we experience, like for example, you know, heartache or heartbreak, right? That we have this like full on embodied experience, experience of it, often around the heart area, but you know, nothing is actually going on with your heart. If you get a heart exam, nothing is actually going to go wrong with your physical anatomical heart. It's a, it's an energetic experience. And so we, to have this way of explaining and categorizing these ideas is very appealing. And I think it's a very key part of uh, human experience. You know, we are often missing in the Western world this practical, magical system and this has been a, our way of getting that, but also it because of where it's originated from in the way that we've taken it from these Western occult practices, it's also highly dogmatized in the way that it's also expanded from highly Christian viewpoints. And that's why, you know, we get a lot of these new age ideas, which I'll delve into the next podcast, but um, from Blavatsky, for example, you know, this is why we almost think of the chakras in in the modern system is like transcendental, like where we see a lot of trying to escape the physical body and transcend the physical body. And the, the physical body is like, you know, everyone's like trying to get into the 5D and, and all these kind of things. I'll unpack these later. But, you know, in the original tantric traditions, like they're trying to integrate all parts. You know, it's like bring everything to the path. The physical body is not something that's trying to be escaped. It's like, it's all part of the same the same thing. It's all divine. Whereas the in the you know Christian dogma, there's a separation between spirit and matter, and that has I think translated through Blavatsky and other authors who are influenced so much from that uh, from you know these Judeo-Christian ideas, and then installed it into these chakra systems that we're trying to escape the physical body, we're trying to transcend, and that we're just going up the chakras where it wasn't the case at all. Even in traditional Kundalini ideas. Um, and a lot of, because kundalini yoga as we know it is not uh, <laughs> at all an original kundalini practice, which I'll delve into in the next one. Um, we're getting to the end of the podcast now, so I'm just trying to wrap it up a little bit and give you a few key points <laughs> to finish off with. But the kundalini, for example, is not just going up the, up the body, up the central channel. It's going up and down and converging in the middle to integrate. So we're integrating the, uh, the physical body with what we call the divine or the spiritual body or the light body. And so the expansion of those three main centers uh, can expand into the five elements and then obviously expand into other ideas, which um, if you're interested in all the practical application of that, I highly recommend my <laughs> yoga teacher training program because we dive into that for like a solid three months uh, where you will be doing devotional, daily devotional practices, authentic practices, as well as um, some modern adaptions, which I think are really, really powerful and potent and um, just simplify a lot of things. So shameless plug there. Um, obviously, I want to spend time with you if you are really wanting to delve into this and that is the best way to do it because not only will you emerge as a teacher, a really good teacher, but yeah, also as like an experiential initiation into this sort of stuff as well.
I can feel myself wanting to delve more and more and expand upon all these ideas, especially when it comes to the five elements, um, but it will be an endless rabbit hole, and <laughs> I want to try to keep this podcast under an hour, if possible, um, but I will quickly just run over what the five elements are, and as I said, if you want to delve into this more, you can just message me. I'll, I'm creating more and more courses and content around this, including the Yogi Teach training. But also, I would highly recommend reading the article that I linked you. And Christopher Wallace actually has an amazing course on all the different chakras called Chakra, Chakra, Chakras Illuminated. <laughs> it's been a big day. I've also done another couple of podcasts before this one. So I think my words are starting to fail me. So that's a good indicator we're nearly finished. But um, yeah, highly, highly recommend delving more into what Christopher Wallace does and his Tantric Institute. He's been uh, an amazing mentor for me. And yeah, I'm continuing to, to delve deeper into the classical Tantric path. And I'm very grateful for his teachings. So in the five element chakra system that I currently practice, the earth element is installed in the base of the body. So usually where the Muladhara chakra is, it's technically still that chakra, but I'm not going to call it that because I don't want to confuse it and to help you differentiate between the five element systems. So um, base of the body, the kind of perineum area is where the earth element is stalled with lum. And then we have the water element installed in what's called the kunda, uh, where is the just like a, a few three or four fingers below the belly button also known as the Dunchen in um, kind of Kung, Kung Fu Taoist practices, and that's a water element, and that is Vum. And then we have the heart chakra. So that's below the sternum, kind of where you touch like the sternum and it's hard right into that soft point. And there's kind of a lot of symbology to that because obviously, you know, the heart is very like, you know, reinforced like the whole chest and the rib cage, but then you've got this soft spot where the heart is, and that's associated with fire. And that is rum or rum and associated with fire and combustion. And then we have the air element as installed in the soft palate. That's kind of um, in the back of the mouth. Uh, and that is yum. That's associated with wind. So not air, it's wind. It's slightly different. So like, even though it does sound like the classical, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, Greco-Roman classical five element system, which we find in wicker and modern magic, um, but it's a little bit different. So similar, but again, different. So try not to overlap them too much. Um, but yeah, so wind, so mobility, movement. And then we have the uh, space element, which is um, envisioned at the crown of the head where the soft spot is for new babies, where, where babies don't have their whole skull. They have that hole in the skull at the top. And it's kind of, yeah, envisioned as this clear uh, clear kind of space, clear crystal clear thing, um, and this idea of uh, yeah, kind of openness and connected to the, to the divine, which draws down into embodiment. And also, I forgot to mention um, that each one has a different shape. So instead of visualizing like a red orb, um, you know, as the Muladhara chakra, it's actually a golden square or a golden cube or you can envision it. And that's a, that's the main difference as well, that it's a different colored system. So I guess the issue here is that so many people have, yeah, you really need to, in so many magical systems, I, it's, it's super healthy to remove the dogma and to be able to operate in different ways. And that's why I like chaos magic, because <laughs> that's why it's funny as well, that 
this modern chakra system is basically a chaos magical system. Like Phil Hine is also one of the uh, prominent authors that have expanded upon this seven chakra system. He made some like really good illustrations for it as well. He's an amazing author. He's a scholar of chaos magic. So chaos magic is this idea, uh, this modern magical system that is trying to break down, uh, you know, spirituality to the bare essentials and what actually works as a manifestation magical practice. So if you're interested in the idea of manifestation, you should 100% be looking into chaos magic because that's essentially breaking it down as like a practical philosophy. And like, it's basically the science of magic. We're trying to be, have a scientific approach to magic. But yeah, so basically, the earth element is a golden square or cube. The water element is uh, like a silver, like a white kind of silvery uh, bowl or a moon, a crescent moon. Fire element is a triangle, a red, like a fiery red triangle or pyramid. The air element is a kind of like six spoked uh, shape with little circles on each spoke, kind of like that... Um, if you know the alternate version of the rune Hagalars or kind of like the flower of life kind of shape. And it's kind of a smoky green, like a dark smoky green. And then the crown uh, chakra, the element of space is like a crystal clear or it can be pure white or pure black. Um, and when you're doing ritual practice, um, and because when you do five element ritual practice, which we do again in the training, that you will actually be doing like having, you know, incense for wind and food for earth. And then it's envisioned by a flower. So the, uh, the space element or the void element, um, or spirit element is envisioned as a flower as well as an alternate, alternate version. So yeah, to to summarize and finish all this up, um, thank you for obviously listening all this way. Uh, I know if you're like really steeped in uh, a, pra a traditional practice that you thought that the seven chakra system that you, the, the rainbow system, the chakras um, were the be all and end all to the, to the chakras. Um, it's so far from the truth. Again, it's still an amazing system. Like it's a but it's a modern magical system. It's a modern occult practice. So I want you to, if you're going to get something out of this, is to, one, realize that the energy body is is not static. Um, there's so many possibilities and what you can do with your energy body in uh, in a practice. And that, the yeah, the, the original tantricas were essentially like magicians or mages. They want to, hence the house of mages, like they, they were interested in, shaping their reality to achieve whatever goals they thought an important value in life and that it wasn't static that obviously all different all different lineages had different ideas about what the universe was and what the chakras were but essentially um yeah i feel like we're too dogmatic and we think that whatever we learn first is the way that things are and in my experience and obviously the experience of ancient yogis that is so far from the truth um, and that, yeah, if you're enjoying the seven chakra rainbow systems, don't stop, like still work with it, but maybe just don't call it ancient <laughs> and, uh, realize that if you had this like aversion or this like aversion to magic, the word magic, essentially you should look into what occult and magic is, uh, because you're essentially doing it. Um, <laughs> sorry to break it to you if you have issues with that, but it's, it's, yeah, it's the... 
it's the truth. Um, and yeah, all these associations with the chakras um, or the chakras, like the the idea of like tuning the chakras, balancing the chakras, um, you know, associating essential oils with different chakras, crystals and stones with different chakras. These are all modern practices. These are all made up in the last 100 to 150 years. They are not in any of the original sources, none. So just putting that out there too. They're, they're still like they're still valid, they're still legit. Um, you can still do them, but also just adding a bit of like lightheartedness to it that like they're all made up. You know, people that hold so strongly to these modern chakras and all these practices like tuning, balancing, oil, oils and these crystals associated with them, they're all made up in the last hundred years. But that doesn't make it invalid. Because all these other systems were made up, but they were made up maybe a thousand or more years ago. So maybe they have a little bit more kind of uh, validity in that they obviously work well if they've survived that long and they're probably more uh, weaved deeply into the unconscious of the world, the collective unconscious, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so yeah, probably a lot to take in. It, I would, it would definitely uh, be... a a podcast that I'd recommend listening to more than once. Um, so thank you if you do that for the extra plays. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'd love to hear from you. So, uh, yeah, don't really know what to say other than thank you for being open-minded. Thank you for listening. Uh, I have another couple of podcasts coming up very soon, which I'm going to delve deeper into what is Neo-Tantra as opposed to Classical Tantra. Um, the problem and issues that we have in the New Age movement and in the Neo-Tantric movement, um, but I'm also very big advocates for both of those, so I don't want you to think that I'm discrediting either of those at all. I'm just interested in having these conversations and really, yeah, delving into and unpacking all these things as much as possible to not create division between us, but to realize that, you know, we all experience these things differently. And I think the biggest problem these days is that like we're just yelling at each other saying that we're all each other is wrong, but really we're both just experiencing the same thing from just different sides. I saw this like great post this morning by like Ice T, the rapper, <laughs> um, talking about that people are trying to label him as like left wing or right wing. And he's like, I'm not left wing, I'm not white right wing. He's like, We're both, you know, even like we're all part of the same bird, essentially. And so you know, the real deep idea of, of especially non-dual Tantra, classical Tantra, is that we're all part of the same universe experiencing itself, whatever you want to call it, um, but we are experiencing ourselves from different vantage points. So we can't essentially all have the same experience because we're, we are a different point in the universe experiencing itself. And so... It's almost impossible to have the exact same identical experience because we're all from different vantage points. And that's the idea because it wouldn't be fun if we also saw everything exactly the same. We want to make it interesting and learn and grow and evolve and share and be human and part of this crazy cosmos that we uh, we really have no idea what it is, but we kind of make up these things and these collective fictions and have fun with it and share it and 
yeah, I just think we could try to do it with a little bit more compassion and understanding and playfulness. Just my just my idea. You can have a you, you if you have a conflicting idea, it is also very valid. Um, but yeah, please allow me to have mine also. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate you so much for for listening to this and being a part of this. Uh, if you want to connect with me more, you can head to thehouseofmages.com. So we have our upcoming 200-hour yoga teacher training. Uh, also, the House of Mages platform is launching towards the end of this year, which will also have uh, lots of different courses in magic, in uh, Tantra, but also in like Ayurveda and even like delving into tarot and runes. And I'll have lots of other guests and amazing teachers coming on to teach all different aspects of uh of yeah magic in the world and yeah other than that please uh subscribe if you haven't please like this if you're watching on somewhere where you can click the like button otherwise um also leaving me a hopefully five star review if you like this um if you don't like it maybe don't leave a review <laughs> or please be nice um and uh, I will speak to you very soon. Thanks again and make yoga magic again.